Putting up to it's important we look at the facts. Why? Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal. Hi, I'm Paul Hutchin, political editor of the Daily Record, and welcome to the latest Planet Hollywood, our new Scottish politics show. Joining me this week are John Ferguson, political editor of the Sunday Mail, and Ben Borland, editor of the Scottish Daily Express. Now, the last two episodes, we have solely focused on the chaotic SNP leadership contest, and I was wondering if we'd be in for a quieter week, but it seems to become even more volcanic. Um, We're now into the territory of whether this election is fair, transparent and robust, because all three candidates are calling for membership data to be published um, as a result of the SNP headquarters not handing it over. So it's all getting um, pretty uh, incredible. It all, all seems to be unravelling at a fair rate of knots. I can start with you, John. I mean, you actually wrote a story a couple of weeks ago about SNP membership numbers. Just talk us through that. And just how damaging is this for the SNP that it's playing out in public? Yeah, I think it's incredibly damaging. To, so a couple of weeks ago, I wrote a story saying that sources had told us that the SNP had lost 30,000 members on the back of the lack of progress on independence and also the country over the controversy over the GRR bill. Um, now, that story, the SNP furiously denied that the story was true. They briefed against it to the national. Um, but it, now, that, this was despite the fact their own accounts show that the membership over the over two years dropped from between the end of 2020 and end of 2020. In 2021, dropped by 20,000. And we, we don't know how far much further than that it's gone down over the last year. But you need to think that you know, that it wouldn't be surprising if that 10,000 a year sort of loss had continued or potentially had got a lot worse. So, um, so you know, rather, rather than just clearing it up, publishing the numbers, they've refused to say, briefed against the story, and now they're in a position where um, where the candidates themselves in the, um, in the leadership election are demanding to know, and you've got this absolutely incredible situation where at least two of the candidates seem to be openly questioning whether the party itself could be running a corrupt election process. Um, So, I mean, I I think it's just incredibly damaging. They need to get out and clear this up as quickly as possible. Um, The alternative is, I guess, that you could end up with a situation where Humza wins and half of the party um, feel that that it was a stitch up and that potentially, you know, there was some sort of inconsistencies in the way that votes were counted and the number of votes that were cast. So it's really damaging and they need, they need to get on top of it quick. And it's, I yeah. think one of the things that's really notable was just the, the lack of anyone taking ownership of it and control of it. Really, that should be Peter Morell, the chief executive, but he seems to be missing in action at the moment. Ben, I mean, it seems like such an unforced error from the SNP not to publish this data. I mean, why do you think they're not doing it? 
Hard to say. I mean, as you say, it is an unforced error. You'd think it would be information that is just there at the click of a click of a mouse to 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 anyone with uh, the, the SNP uh, head office. I mean, it's, it, it, it's such a simple thing. How many members do you have? It's astonishing that they can't uh, and won't tell us. Um, and the longer this goes on, I mean, yesterday we had the um, extraordinary open letter from Ash Reagan and Kate Forbes asking for the, the, the membership to be published. Very soon after that, Hamza Yusuf's um, unofficial spokesman, Neil Gray, said, oh, actually, we asked yesterday um, to try and kind of get ahead and make sure he wasn't seen as part of the stitch-up. And at that point, I believe the SNP were briefing journalists, of course we're going to release the, uh, the, the membership details. And then within an hour or so, there was another U-turn and, and the, the details weren't going to be released. Again, this morning, they might be released later today or they might not. I just can't see what the issue, what, what could possibly be stopping them from, from from such a simple thing as saying, well, look, to stop the entire country starting to uh, believe that there's a, a really bad smell around this election, here's the here's the, the, the numbers you want. There's nothing yeah, to I think the, the, the distinction I would draw in all of this is that um, there are clearly issues with transparency in this contest. So they started off by refusing or trying to refuse entry to the hostings with the media. And then they quickly U-turned on that after some pretty awful coverage. Now they're not, uh, at this stage, publishing the data, although we think that will, will come at some point today. Again, another transparency feeling. But you've got some folk who are kind of going even further by saying that uh, the contest's unfair, that uh, raising questions about this independent company that's overseeing the process... I mean, are we in danger of going down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories here um, and sort of indulging people who are making baseless accusations? I, I think that there's two, two the, the absolute worst end of the spectrum on this is the accusation that the reason the number of, of uh, members isn't being given is because there's 20,000, 30,000 what has been called by some people ghost members in the in the system at the moment, i.e. people who have left the party but who are still in this um, My Voice system and that, um, and that those votes could somehow be misappropriated by party headquarters. And what I'd say about that is there's absolutely no evidence at the moment that anything like that is happening or would happen. Um, but... Clearly, the longer we get radio silence on how many members there is, how many voting slips have been sent out, the more, like you say, these kind of conspiracy theories will fester and grow arms and legs. I guess the, the more simple answer to why they might not want the, the number of members published is just because it's embarrassing because they have lost a lot of members over the last few years. Peter Morell, the chief executive, famously was giving a kind of running commentary after the 2014 referendum and how many members the party had, comparing it to other UK parties. So there is an embarrassment factor in losing a lot of members. And also, I guess, the thing that the impact that could have on this contest is that there's a pretty clear 
I, th I don't think it, it's be surprised to say that the, the, the establishment candidate here is Hamza, and for your rank and file member, perhaps to vote for that establishment candidate if they think that the establishment aren't running things very well, and a lot of members are are leaving. So I guess at the at the most mundane end of the spectrum of trying to figure out why this is happening, perhaps that's it. It's just you mentioned. John, you mentioned the is it my voice, the, the company that's sort of um, running yeah. this conference. See, when you see criticisms of the company and all the allegations that we made, is this not just like Biden v Trump? You know, you, you've got sort of a bunch of accusations that just there's no evidence for them, and all it's doing is kind of undermining the electoral process. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw it. There's a lot of this. This word that's been used now, this is Trumpian, it's just like um, conspiracy theory. Uh, then I saw someone say, this is conspiracy theory, it's fake news, which kind of sounds a bit Trumpian itself. Um, and I guess the thing that you do to avoid conspiracy theory is to be as open and transparent as you as you can. The, the specific issue with my voice, as I understand, is that, for example, the Labour Party use the Electoral Reform Society to run their um, leadership elections. So that, that means that they completely outsource the, pro, the, the process. So effectively, another company sends ballots, gets the result, informs the party of the result, and they can announce it with my voice. It's more that this is a company that supplies computer software and a, a, you know, a, a, back, a back office system to the party, but the party themselves will still be in overall control of the process. It's unclear to what extent that accusation is true. And it's, these are the things that Ash Reagan and um, Kate Forbes are asking them to, to clear up in writing. And the sooner they do it, the better. Then we can move away from conspiracy theory and get back on to worrying about who's going to win. Yeah, I think you're right, John. I mean, I think that transparency would probably debunk you know, some of the, the, the nonsense that we're hearing. Ben, let's just try and put into context the, the last three weeks in the SNP. So Nicola Sturgeon stands down. Um, we get this leadership contest. Um, we've had all sorts of public spats over abortion, same-sex marriage, conversion therapy. We've had cabinet secretaries tearing lumps out of each other with Kate Forbes effectively saying on TV that uh, Hamza Yousaf is a dud. Now we've got question marks over um, how the contest is being run. I mean, is the SNP falling apart here? It certainly appears to be. Um, I think uh, John w w was right. You know, the, the, main, oh, the main obvious reason for not wanting to release these membership figures is is that it, it, it's going to be embarrassing that they've, they've fallen. The number that's banded around is 78,000, which I was just checking before would mean that 1.4% of uh, the Scottish population is choosing the next First Minister. I think that the longer this goes on, it, it seems to me that we don't have a, a Holyrood election until 2026. The, in the past three weeks, the SNP have essentially trashed everything that the, the the Scottish government's done in the past two years and it and it, it becomes more and more obvious that we do need a Scottish parliamentary election 
and, and not a de facto referendum, you know, take that off the table, that's gone. We, we need an election on the record of the Scottish government because, as Kate Forbes has made it perfectly clear, they've failed. They've failed on the NHS, they've failed on transport, they've failed on education. The Butte House agreement with the Greens, two of the candidates make it clear that, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not worked. Um, they, they, they certainly are making a very good case that as much as uh, I'm sure voters wouldn't want to go back to the polls again, I think the chance to pass a verdict on the past uh, two years and indeed the past 16 years of the SNP is an imperative now because, yeah, I think the party is falling apart. I wouldn't be surprised and no lesser figure than Mary Black has already suggested. I, I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there were two nationalist parties by the end of the year, a, a, a right-wing party and a, a kind of left-wing green party. Um, the, 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 the SNP looks in dire straits, I think. John, is Ben right? Is it time for a Holyrood election? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that would, that would be a... He's, it probably is. I don't know if the SNP particularly want to have one at this juncture. They imagine they would hope that a new leader could come in, bed in, sort of cool things down a bit, and um, they might be in a better position in another year. But all the indicators are that that's probably not going to be the case. It does. I think it kind of, the SNP have been in power for a long time now in Scotland. Any party that's been in power for that long begins to fall apart to some degree, I think. Um, Nicola Sturgeon's quite obviously been the Ben's listed some of the many prob policy issues and um, problems that they, they now face. It does feel like Nicola Sturgeon's been the one thing that kept everything together and kept the party popular in the eyes of the public. She's now gone or going soon. And yeah, they're, they're huge. Probably we've talked about the how we've got one half of the party now that, uh, you know, if, if Hamza Yusuf was to win this leadership election, there will be many figures in the party that are, think there will have been some kind of whiff around the process to elect them. The alternative is that Kate Forbes wins, and I think we already know, you know, there's um, probably over a dozen MSPs and MPs who clearly feel that her views on many topics are morally reprehensible. So I think that there's there's huge problems externally and also huge problems internally, and it's difficult to see how they're not going to get worse. So, yeah, I think it's fair to say the party is falling apart to some degree. I'll ask um, you both the same question, um, which is pretty much the question that friends, family, punters are asking me, and that is, who do you think is going to win the contest? I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be tight. I think it could go either way between Kate Forbes or Hamza Youssef. Um, how about you, John? What's your hunch? Um, I think it's incredibly difficult to call, isn't it? Just because there's so little data really on exactly who SNP members are. It seems like... Hamza has a fairly good chance of getting over 50% in this first round of voting, but if he doesn't do that and it's a, 
it will be really tough for him to do that, then the likelihood would be that Kate Forbes would um, it would end up getting in with transfers from Ash Reagan. So I, I think that they're both going to be extremely nervous at the moment, and I, I wouldn't like to, to call it. Ben, how about you? Is it First Minister Yousaf or First Minister Forbes? Uh, yeah, I'm going to chicken out and sit on the fence again. I think it's too close to call between between those two. Um, again, as John said, if, if if it goes to a second round of voting, you've got to assume that Ash Reagan supporters will favour Kate Forbes, which, which might be enough to, to get her over the line. I mean, w- one thing I would say, I think Kate Forbes would be more effective first minister um she's you know she she's got a, a better grasp of the, the the economy she seems to be a more polished polit- politician even though she's still relatively inexperienced um so so even though from from a kind of pro uk unionist perspective it's a difficult one to call because, and I've heard other people suggest this, in a way we want Humza to win because he's going to do a terrible job and make independence an even more unlikely prospect and make the SNP losing the next election a more likely prospect. But on the other hand, you know, I don't want the country to, to you know, the devolved administration to go any kind of, further down the road to ruin than it already is. So so on, on on that side of things, you'd like to see Kate Forbes win because I mean to to my eye she, she clearly, clearly would do a better job. I just want to touch, touch briefly on, on uh Labour here. Now um Labour have been in the electoral doldrums for well over a decade, richly humiliated at the ballot box, um, the SNP won over a fair chunk of their supporters. You know they were reduced to third place in the Scottish Parliament. But things are changing, and Labour are now at around thirty percent of the polls. Um, I was at a Keir Starmer event today in Edinburgh, and you could just see from their faces um, just a shift. They've got confidence. They've got momentum. They feel like they're now back. Um, John. What are your thoughts on Labour in this context? Is it there for the taking for them, given the SNP seem to be on the slide? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, you often hear people talking about the fact the Scottish Parliament was set up not to allow any party really to have an easy majority and overall control. And it just feels like even when the next... Scottish Parliament election comes, Labour are going to go up a fair bit, the SNP are going to go down a fair bit, um, probably the Tories will make some gains, but it's, you know, it's, it would have seemed unthinkable just a few months ago, but uh, Anas Sarwar must now be thinking in the back of his mind, my God, I could be the First Minister in the not-too-distant future. So, yeah, I think Labour will be getting very excited about the way things are going, and that's obviously that, so that you know we're talking about a Scottish Parliament election, but there's always before it's likely going to be a Westminster election before that, and again, Keir Starmer knows how important winning back at least some of 
Scotland will be to his chances of becoming prime minister. And, you know, he doesn't, it doesn't need to be a, an absolute landslide, but just to get back into the sort of 15 to 17, 18 seats would be a massive achievement for him as well. So it's, yeah, it's very exciting times for Labour. Ben, do you sense that Scottish Labour rather than Scottish Tories will be the main beneficiaries of SNP turmoil? Um, I'm not so sure. I, th- I think the Tories um, have established themselves now as the main opposition at Holyrood. Um, they, they, they're seen as the party of the union. And um, one thing the SNP have managed to do is make the, the, the constitutional question kind of so dominant in Scottish politics and Scottish life that it's going to be very difficult to to, to, to ever get back to a position where it's not the number one issue at every single election. And when it comes to the crunch, the Tories are more trusted for the union. And, and, and while Labour seems to be enjoying a, a bounce in the polls at the moment, and, and Keir Starmer's positioned himself, he said, you know, no deals with the SNP, we're not going to cut a deal on another referendum. When it comes to you know when when it comes to the crunch, a lot of people still want to make sure that there is no referendum, that the the UK is secure, and the best way to do that's to to vote Conservative. Re- really, until the SNP take a referendum off the table, Labour are, are sort of caught between the two. Right. Let's move on from the SNP contest. I mean, although it's consuming us. Uh, and it's pretty much featuring every piece we're writing. There was um, the not insubstantial issue of a budget this week at Westminster, um, delivered by the Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt. Now, Ben, just starting with you, just to focus on a couple of the, the announcements, um, the Chancellor announced the scrapping of the pension lifetime allowance, which is currently set at a million pounds, so he scrapped it. That's great news for anyone who's got a pension of about 980 grand. It allows them to save a lot more. And at the same time, you had the announcement of a crackdown on benefit claimants by ramping up sanctions. So I put it to you, was this budget just yet another example of the Tories benefiting the rich and hammering the poor? I don't think that's uh, uh, the way I would see it. I think it was a budget for for growth. Um, It was a a very positive budget. Um, Given the the inflation figures that we've had in the past 18 months or so, it it was a budget built on on the the fantastic news that we should be back at uh, 3% by the autumn. It's a budget that, that, that ultimately puts the UK back on track to to to, to economic uh, position of economic good health and ultimately that um, that works its way to everyone in society. Um, Was it, wasn't it just trying to mop up the mess left by Liz Truss, Ben? I mean, the, the, the fiscal event, um, I, I don't think anyone would, would come on here and defend it. It was um, 
it, it was a disaster. There's no other way of putting it. So, so in 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 that respect, that's now been um, kind of put right. I think Jeremy Hunt and Rishi Sunak have put it right in a matter of what six months. Um, six months ago, it looked as though the the economy had been well and truly. Um, um, sent off the rails. We're now back on the rails and, and, and I think it's gone better than anyone could have hoped. John, is Ben right? This is a budget for growth, positive budget. Do you agree with that? Hey, I think any, the Conservatives will always dress up tax giveaways for the rich as uh, somehow being done to, to help growth. But, you know, I think it's just... It's, quite clearly a, a yet another budget for the rich at a time when living standards are absolutely plunging for low and middle earners. The cornerstone of this budget was this, um, in, or doing away with the cap on pension contributions. Um, this has been dressed up as a way of keeping more doctors in the NHS, but it's clearly going to help a lot of bankers, accountants, lawyers, other fairly well-off people that vote for the Conservatives. Um, Rachel Reeves has called it a one billion pension bung for the one percent and that's that's exactly what it is. Uh, the Resolution Foundation have been pretty clear today that it doesn't really offer value for money. It's not necessarily going to boost growth um, and they've, they've levelled the same accusation that a lot of the, of the announcements there are just they're, they're, they're not going to offer value for money in terms of boosting the economy. I guess one thing that you could say if you're looking for a, a silver lining is that one of the other big announcements was on um, on free childcare. And that's is, this is interesting because this is pretty much the same thing that Hamza Yusuf was yeah. promised if he becomes first minister. So I think that does, to you know, points to how a lot of these, these sort of policies that are on one hand, they can be presented as something to help hard-pressed families, but they, they are also being done because there's an, epi, an economic benefit, in this case, helping um, helping more women particularly into, into work. Um, Jeremy Hunt did say that there was going to be an extra £320 million for Scotland in the budget but it's kind of telling that the only real hard examples that it, of where we're going to benefit seems to have been 1.5 million for a new bridge and 8 million for the Edinburgh Festival so again I don't I don't it doesn't really seem to have been a particularly good deal for uh, for people who are struggling or Scotland. Okay thanks for that John thanks Ben so let's turn to tweet of the week if we could maybe have John's tweet up first let's see um, what he's got for us yeah so that, that's what's fair I think this was just uh, yesterday possibly this was a tweet from Dr Zubir Ahmed who's a he's actually a candidate for the labor for Scottish labor and um, in response to all of the SMP candidates saying that they would Deliver. They thought they could deliver independence in five years. Um, Dr. Ahmed said, but not your hip replacement. Now, I think this really sums up just the, the bind that the SMP are in, where they've been in power for so long and there's so many problems now backed up that they need to 
take responsibility for that it's just it's increasingly difficult for them to um you know to to say that we need to, to have independence because everything will get better under the smp under those circumstances i mean i i entirely understand the the, the feeling of nationalists to say that there's a it's a it's a democratic outrage that we've not been allowed to have an independence referendum. It does seem wrong that you could have had you know Nicholas Sturgeon could have won election after election for almost a decade and just be told no every time. Um, but you know it does now feel like just the, because she has been told no all of those times that there's so many problems have been allowed to mount up in the intervening years that. Uh, independence seems further away than ever now. It's quite a spicy tweet, that. I think one that will resonate with um, many people languishing on an NHS waiting list. Your turn, Ben. What have you got for us? Um, Yeah, this one, it's not... not, um, There's been, again, no shortage of uh, funny and uh, uh, amusing tweets in the past seven days, but I think, and again, this is from yesterday, just the, the, the impact... That uh, that this had the, the open letter going straight onto social media. Um, I know Ash Reagan's campaign team have have I think it's Kirk Torrance and some of the other uh, people involved in the campaign are, are, are real experts on social media. And I just thought this this was a, a prime example of how to use it, how to. Um, Get your message out on, mm. on Twitter to, to the most number of people with the most impact. Here you go. Here's the here's, here's the letter itself. It's short. It's punchy. You can click on it and read the whole thing. Um, and, and, and you, you know something, Ben. You know something. Um, you know, I've been quite critical of Ash Regan during this contest. Um, I think some of her comments about how to deliver independence don't really um, stack up for me. But as you've just sort of pointed out there, she has managed to grab attention in quite an effective way. You know, the independence thermometer, much mocked. And then that letter certainly put the cat amongst the pigeons. So, um, you know, I think she's, her candidacy has been flawed, but she, she's been quite adept at getting um, publicity. And, uh, I think as well. Certainly, certainly an example of that. She certainly, I mean, the letter as well, it's really interesting that it's signed by both of them. Sort of a real indication that they are a, a team in this. We yeah. can certainly see with Kate Forbes wins, Ash Regan getting a, a, you know, a key role in the government. Deputy First Minister, maybe. Who knows? Deputy First Minister Regan. Yep. All right, let's move on. Good week, bad week. Who have you got for us, John? Well, I think it's, it's been a but the interesting thing is that both of those people haven't themselves really been in the media or the public eye all that much, speaking directly to the public. But nonetheless, I think Peter Morell has had a very bad week. Um, the you know SNP's chief executive and uh, husband of First Minister Nicola Sturgeon. All all of these questions over transparency and the way the leadership elections been run, lack of information membership numbers, and then going back a bit, there's obviously the ongoing fraud probe at the SNP. All this stuff comes back to him 
the um the the it's, it's been said many times over the last few years that there's a very small number of people that are really running the SNP, and uh, he's certainly the the head of that small group. Um, I think that really if he wanted, if he was doing what was good for the party, he'd probably have realised when Nicola Sturgeon became first minister that it was a bad idea for him to continue in that role. And I think I'm, I'm amazed that he doesn't see now that his continued presence, irrespective of what he has or hasn't done, is just not good for public confidence in the party or indeed the party it's, itself. Um, yeah, I think Pete is feeling the heat. And how about yeah. good week? Who, who's, who's had a good week? Well, again, we touched on this earlier, but I think the Anas Sarwar has, is having a great week um, purely off of the back of the um, the woes of his political rivals. Um, just, you know, the Labour are undoubtedly going to have a are having a, a real resurgence under his leadership, and I think that's going to continue. Um, so I think it's you'll undoubtedly be enjoying the way things are, are panning out at the moment. Just that photograph of him playing pool. I remember Anas once told me that he played pool against Ed Miliband and got grannied. And what a humiliation that is, getting grannied by Ed Miliband. Ed Miliband, wow. Surely, surely he should have been red, not yellow there. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Uh, how about you, Ben? Good week, bad week? Um, good. It's been a good week for um, stepping away from Scottish politics for, for Gary Lineker. Um, I think he's, he's, he's uh, humiliated the BBC. And, and I mean, my, my personal view is that perhaps um, the BBC were too quick to, to cave in and they should have got some kind of agreement from him on on the content of his tweets in future. But, you know, it's been, I think one one paper had it, you know, Lineker 1, BBC 0, um, and, and by extension, also the, the UK government. Um, I, uh, I'm a regular match of the day watcher, but I'm not sure I can tune in on Saturday. Just, it's going to be so smug. <laughs> I never miss. I never miss match the day. Um, how about Brad? Who's in the? Who's in a bad the... week. Well, I was going to say Peter Morell. I mean Hamza Yusuf, but then he's had a bad week. But as we were saying before, he could still actually be in the lead, and he could still win the first round, and he could still be first minister in in two weeks' time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to say John Swinning because uh, for for two reasons. Uh, Firstly, even though he's retiring to the back benches, it looks as though he's taking one last hit for Nicola Sturgeon, and he's been—he uh, was wheeled out on GMS this morning to to try and explain why the SNP can't just say how many members uh, the party has, um, and and sort of field these difficult questions about whether the contest is being rigged in favour of of the establishment candidate. It also looked on Friday almost as though he'd been pushed into endorsing Humza. Um, whether that's true or not, it, it, there were certainly allegations that it had been orchestrated and it, it wasn't entirely 
his choice to to, to come out and, and and back one candidate in that way. And 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 finally, obviously John Swinney standing in for Kate Forbes delivered a, an absolutely swinging round of cuts in his last budget, and um, most of them kind of caused by by um, Les Truss and Quasi Quateng's fiscal events. But now Jeremy Hunt has has delivered something of a a, a much more positive budget, and and kind of you look back to the, the cuts that were levied up by, by John Swinney compared to some of the. The, the, the you might say tax giveaways um, in the budget it's it, it, it's a bit of a contrast but he's wishing he could have delivered his budget in March rather than September well, look that's great um, I think that wraps it up for another week so thank you to John and to Ben for their insight and analysis um, next week no doubt we'll be mulling over the latest uh, dramas in the SNP Leadership Contest, which is slowly coming to an end. I hope you've enjoyed Planet Hollywood and please join us again next week. It's important we look at the facts. Why? Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal. (laughs) 